Now we're on the road to the resurrection. And on the way to the resurrection, uh, Jesus had to die on the cross. Amen? Now, today is Palm Sunday, but I'm going to skip a little further down the road to the resurrection than Palm Sunday. I want to look at the day that Jesus was arrested. And it was kangaroo court. It was fake. It was phony. It was built on false accusations. He was lied about, slandered, and all kinds of stories were told that were not true. And he stood there and he took it. And the Bible says he didn't say a word because he trusted God. And he knew this was God's will. But in being arrested, uh, he another man was added to the mix whose name was Barabbas. And I'm going to look today at how Barabbas really is a picture of you and me. Now, I'm not saying you're a killer. I'm not saying you're a murderer. Don't go out and say he called me a killer. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you're a thief. But what happened with Barabbas is exactly what happened with us. And I'm going to show you what I mean by that. So I'm going to read out of Matthew 27, verse 15. Now, at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, they had a, not just a prisoner, but a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? Well, that ought to have been an easy call, right? Jesus should have been released. Verse 18, look what Pilate knew. He knew that they had handed him over because they envied him. Well, you better watch out for that green-eyed monster. It'll kill you. Amen? Verse 19, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with that just man. What's she calling? A just man. For I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. Look at the faithfulness of God. Pilate's wife was given a dream from God that he better not involve himself in the crucifixion or wrongdoing, any wrongdoing towards this just man. He kind of listened to his wife. He kind of didn't. Verse 20. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? Now he said that to the religious teachers. And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. Verse 24, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person, repeating the words of his wife, calling Christ a just person. You see to it. And all the people answered, and they spoke a curse on themselves. Are you ready? They said, His blood be on us. And on our children. Ooh. Ooh. And I ask you, did it come to pass? Yes, it did. Verse 26, then he released Barabbas to them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Open our hearts to it. And help us to understand the beautiful, glorious gospel of Jesus Christ better than we ever have before. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to turn to somebody and say, he died in your place. Amen. Because that's the title of the message today. 
He took your place. Now, the, the only reason we know anything about Barabbas at all is that Barabbas was scheduled to die on the same day that Jesus of Nazareth was arrested and condemned to death. That's the only way we know anything about Barabbas. He would have never appeared in history had he not been there on the day that Christ was uh, arrested. Now, look at the description of this guy. Matthew 27, verse 17, describes him as a notorious prisoner. Notorious. Mark 15, 11 and Luke 23, 18 go a little bit further, indicating that he had been among the rebels who had committed murder in the uprising against Rome. So he was involved in trying to overthrow the government. John 18, 40 calls him a violent bandit. Bottom line is Barabbas was bad. Amen? Barabbas was not the kind of guy you wanted to date your daughter. No. Interestingly, the name Barabbas means son of the rabbi. So he may actually have been a PK, a preacher's kid. I'm not saying he was, but it's possible because why would you name your kid son of the rabbi? Unless maybe he was the son of a rabbi. So how does a son from a devout home end up condemned to the gallows, to crucifixion? How that happened is anyone's guess. But I'll guarantee you, it's very possible that somewhere out there were a mom and a dad whose hearts were broken over what had become of their son. While Jesus was being wrongfully tried, before Pontius Pilate, uh, Barabbas sat chained in a cell. He'd already been condemned, sentenced to die on the cross, the most painful form of death known at the time. There was no worse way to die than death by crucifixion in that day. Uh, what we do today, the shot where you kind of just go out, uh, go to sleep, oh no, this was days hanging on a tree, uh, uh, struggling for breath, getting weaker by the day, all of your bones slipping out of joint as you hang there. It was a, a terrible, torturous thing, and they usually lasted for days before they died. Christ didn't. Christ lasted six hours, but normally it was days. Each and every day, think about Barabbas, each and every day he lived in fear of every sound of footsteps, every sound of the jingle of a key signaling the approach of a guard coming to get him and to take him away to the hill where he would be crucified. But I want us to see a bigger picture here because I really do believe there is a bigger picture. Um, that has been painted for us by the sovereignty of God. Because, folks, nothing happened to Jesus apart from the sovereignty and will of God. He didn't take one step outside of the epicenter of the will of God. And everything that happened to him was allowed by God and ordered by God because all of Bible history, all of the Old Testament, pointed down to this very moment where the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the only begotten son would die on a cross for the sins of the world, the final and ultimate sacrifice and the last lamb ever needed. So everything pointed to this moment. So everything around him, everything in the context of his arrest and trial and crucifixion was ordered by the sovereignty of God. So I don't think it's a mistake that Barabbas was in prison, 
and awaiting his crucifixion when Jesus was arrested. When the paths of Barabbas and Jesus Christ crossed, the events that took place in the life of Barabbas himself reflect a truth for all of us, all of us, and I'm going to show you how. So let's see what the Lord has for us on this Palm Sunday out of this story. First, Barabbas was condemned to die. Now, we already know that, but I want us to look at that for a moment. Barabbas was condemned to die. He was under the sentence of death. He'd been tried and found guilty by the court. He really did do what they said he did. He was tried for robbery, tried for murder, tried for sedition. And the governor himself had pronounced his sentence, placing his seal on the signed death warrant. So it was just a matter of the doing of it. He was already as good as dead. This was Barabbas, already as good as dead, condemned. It was over. As he sat in his cell, all he could do was think back over his life, maybe saying to himself, how did I end up here? Why did I do those stupid things? Was it really worth it? My life is over. We don't know how old he was, but you pretty much get the feeling that he was somewhere around middle age, maybe a little bit younger, got involved in anti-Rome sedition, killed people, stole from people, and now he knows I'm done. I'm toast. It's over. My life is done. This is what my life has come to. Now, the picture for us is this. That just like Barabbas, the entire human race is under a similar sentence of death. Now, I want you to hear me today. I'm talking to you out of the Bible. This is not my idea. This is not my view. I'm telling you what the Bible tells us. We've got to get back to the Bible. We've got to get back to the Word of God. I don't care what modern-day psychologists have to say about human nature. I care what God has to say about all of us and what we need, what we all need. And the Bible says that every single human being on earth, unless they know Christ, is under a sentence of death. Under the sentence of death. Not to be hanged, not to be crucified, not in some prison cell, but under sentence of spiritual and eternal death. And that's the parallel between Barabbas and us. We're all, like him, sentenced to die. Because we've all sinned. Listen to Romans chapter 3, verse 10. No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Listen to these. No one, not even one. No one, no one, all, all, no one, not a single one. That's, a, that's a, a many different ways of telling us that there's not one person that has not sinned. And because we've sinned, we've come under the sentence of eternal death. That's what the Bible says. Because the wages of sin is death. See, sin gives you a paycheck. That's what it's telling us. The wages, what you are paid for a life of sin is death. That's the testimony of Scripture. The wages of sin is death. Um, throughout life, what you sow, you reap. And if you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. You reap death, spiritual death. But if you live your life in sin and you die in your sins, then can I tell you what the Bible says? The Bible says that death will give you, or that sin will give you one final paycheck. And he'll, it, sin will give it to you saying, thanks for serving me. 
Now here's your paycheck. And your paycheck is eternal separation from God. There's your paycheck. There's the wages of sin. The wages of sin is death. Sin has a paycheck. I don't want that paycheck. Oh, no, no. You can have that paycheck. I don't want that paycheck. But the whole world is going to get that paycheck. The wages of sin is death. You can't get around it. You can't get away from it. You can deny sin. You can deny your guilt. You can deny that you're going against God. You can deny that you don't know him. You can deny that Christ died for you and rose from the dead. You can deny it. That's okay. Numb it away. Do whatever you want to do. But when your day comes, if you don't know Christ, sin's going to hand you a paycheck. And the paycheck is death. Amen. God declares in Ezekiel 18, 4, the soul who sins will die. Now, now that being true, we were all doomed like Barabbas because all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Now, we're living in a culture right now that will look you right in the eye when they're living in all kinds of sin and say, I'm not living in sin. I don't need to repent. What do I need to repent of? I haven't broken any law. I do my best. God sees my heart. But that won't cut it, friend. You say, but Jeff, I, I'm not a bad person. I, I've never even gotten a traffic ticket. There's no record of me at the police department. I'm a great neighbor. Go ask my neighbors. I'm a great dad. I'm a great mom. Go ask my kids. I'm a great grandparent. Go ask my grandkids. Uh, I'm, I'm really Mr. Wonderful, Mrs. Wonderful. I've never broken God's law. Surely there's no paycheck like that for me. Uh, okay, that may be true, but let me ask you a question. Have you ever broken one of the Ten Commandments? Well, I don't think so. Well, let me show you. Have you ever told a lie? If you say no, you just did it. <laughs> gotcha. Have you ever lusted? Have you ever cursed? Have you ever cursed? Have you ever gossiped about somebody? Watch it now. Have you ever cheated? Have you ever been greedy? Have you ever put something or somebody else before God? That's idolatry. You shall have no other gods before me. But have you ever put something or someone else before God? How about disrespecting your parents? Watch out now. Have you ever wanted something that somebody else owned? That beautiful Corvette sitting in that driveway or that beautiful house or um, the way they look or what they own or the job they have or their spouse or anything like that have you ever have you ever wanted something that somebody else owned that's covetousness see if you've broken even one commandment you're condemned to die in your sins can i say that again if you've broken even one commandment then like barabbas you're condemned to die in your sins that's the message of the bible now i know this is not a jump up and scream and shout and do cartwheels message but this is the message our nation needs to hear this is the message that we need to hear. James writes in the Bible, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. If a man hangs over a cliff by a chain of 10 links, think about it. Here's a man dangling off a cliff with a chain of 10 links. How many of those links must be broken in order to dash that man to his death? One. 
And all we have to do is break one commandment. And without the shed blood of the Lamb of God covering our sins, we're condemned to die. That's what it says. That's the message of the gospel. Why did Jesus need to come if that's not true? If you want to try to be right before God by the keeping of the commandments, then you've got to perfectly, from your first breath until your last, keep them. You can't break one your whole life. But no man or woman has ever done that. Not one person on earth has ever done that. But one, he was the all God, all man, all man, all God, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He's the only one wearing human skin that never sinned. He never sinned. He never sinned. No, no, he, he never sinned. But for we do not have a high priest. Listen to Hebrews. We don't have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way we all have, just as we are, yet he did not sin, end quote. He didn't sin. Jesus never one time had to look up and say, oops, Father, forgive me. He never had the shadow of guilt cross over him. He never had to repent for the breaking of one commandment. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus never sinned. So as Barabbas was condemned to die that day, so the whole human race is condemned to die because of our sins. And that's why we need a Savior. And, and listen, nobody else can get you out of the trouble. Buddha can't get you out. Buddha didn't shed his blood for you. Muhammad didn't shed his blood for you. No new age God shed his blood for you. There's nobody else that went to a cross for you and me. No, nobody. Only Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus himself. But, but I got some great good news for you. That's, that's the tough news. Now let me give you some good news. Barabbas was given a substitute to take his place. Follow me now. Here's the deal. Because God is holy, he is also just. And being holy and just, his nature requires justice for any wrong done in his universe. And that means full payment of some kind, justice must be meted out somehow for every sin committed in God's universe. The soul that sins, it shall die. And the only way around, you and I dying in our sins and going to a Christless eternity is for God's requirement for justice to be satisfied in some other way. Either we're going to pay for it or some other way has to be found for God's requirement for justice to be satisfied. That's it. And the only way around, God getting the justice he needs without us paying for it is that there be a substitute. There must be a substitute, somebody to take our place. On that day, someone had to die in Barabbas's place. If Jesus had not gone to the cross, then Barabbas would have. In the same way, somebody had to take the punishment for you and me to be judged in our place. And without that, we die in our sins, and we answer for our sins, and we go to a Christless eternity. We can only imagine how, how Barabbas' stomach must have turned into knots 
as he heard the soldiers coming down that stone corridor. He could hear the echoes of it, keys jangling, low voices, muffled voices talking, finally to stop at the door of his cell. I want you to imagine it. It's that long walk, that long walk where you know, this is it, this is my final journey. They're going to open that, that prison door, and I'm coming out, and they're going to lead me to the hill, and I'm, my, my life is over. This is it. That's why they're here. And he swallowed hard, and he gulped, and he tried to steal himself for the moment. This is it for me. And how stunned he must have been when one of these gruff Roman guards looked at him and said, you're a lucky man. The governor has freed you. Another will die in your place. Another will die in your place. I think he rubbed his ears and said, what? No, 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 I'm condemned to die. And they said, look, we said another will die in your place. You have been set free because someone else is going to the cross in your place. Somebody is going to die in your place. Somebody is going to take your place. And Jesus died in Barabbas' place that day because God's will for him was for him to die that day, not only in Barabbas' place, but in the whole world's place. Because when Jesus went to the cross, ladies and gentlemen, just like Barabbas, we need to hear somebody saying to us, he died in your place. You are free. He died in your place. You're free. He died in your place. You're free to go. He died in your place. Listen to the testimony of Scripture, Romans 5, 6. When we were utterly helpless with no way of escape, no way of escape, no way out. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners who had no use for him. Even if we were good, we really wouldn't expect anybody to die for us, would we? Though, of course, that might be barely possible, somebody to die for you if you're good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, still at war with him, still separated from him, still his enemy. He died in our place. He died on the cross for us. He took the judgment. He took the blame. He took the guilt. He took the separation from God. He took it all. He took it all upon himself. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. It was going to be Barabbas that day or Jesus of Nazareth. But according to God's eternal plan, Jesus literally became that substitute for the criminal Barabbas and for all of us. Barabbas must have felt he was in a dream. I imagine he did. As the prison door opened and he walked out a free man. Can you imagine walking up to somebody on death row on the day they're going to be walked down that final walk and saying to them, hey, guess what? You're free. As a matter of fact, I'm going to lead you out of this prison, out of death row, and I'm going to let you go back out in public. You're a free man. How can this possibly be? Because somebody went for you in your place. Can you imagine the emotions that would wash over you? I wondered if he lingered outside. Barabbas. Long enough to see the one who who took his place, marched past him on his way to the cross. I wondered 
If once he was out of there, his curiosity got the best of him, who in the world went in my place? Who is dying in my place? I want to see him. We don't know if he did or not, but uh, one ancient tradition says that he did. He wanted to see him. And perhaps as Jesus was let out to be crucified, his sacred eyes caught the eyes of guilty Barabbas. And here's what he knew. He knew, I did it. I, I, I was right being condemned. I was worthy of the cross. But he didn't do a thing. He's just. He hasn't broken any law. He's the purest that ever walked God's green earth. He has never, never transgressed. And yet this innocent man is going to the cross for me. Don't know if he did or not, but I'm going to wager that he eventually repented and gave his life to Christ. It almost has to be. How could you avoid that when he died in your stead? On the day of Jesus' crucifixion, Pilate stood before the Pharisees, the religious teachers, and the angry crowd, and he said, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? They called out, Barabbas! Now watch this. In choosing Barabbas over Jesus, they chose darkness over light, bad over good, wrong over right. And today we all have the same choice. Listen, do I choose Barabbas or do I choose Jesus? Do I choose darkness or do I choose light? Do I choose sin or do I choose righteousness? Do I choose evil or do I choose good? Do I choose wrong or do I choose right? Now, I know I'm talking to the choir today. Virtually everybody, almost everybody in here is born again. But, but, I, but I want you to hear it anyway. We need to return to this reality that, that when, you, when they chose Barabbas, they chose wrong. And when we cho- choose to reject Christ and we choose the Barabbas of sin then we remain in our sin and die in our sin. And Pilate asked the crowd that day the most important question they will ever answer. And I close with this. They said, he said to them, what shall I do with Jesus? What shall I do with Jesus? That's the most important question you or I will ever ask on this planet. Not where are you going to go to school? Not who are you going to marry? Not where are you going to live? Not what church are you going to attend? Not who you're going to hang with. No, the most important question you and I will ever answer is, what will I do with Jesus? Pilate literally asked the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the religious leaders, what shall I do with Jesus? He asked the crowd, what shall I do with Jesus? You can stand back and say, I don't care about him. You can push him away and say, leave me alone. I've had people do that. You can ignore him altogether. Or you can open your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I welcome you into my life. And that one decision, that one decision will set the trajectory for the rest of your days. You will never be the same if, if, if you choose Christ. Oh, that they had said, release Jesus and crucify the one that deserves it, but they didn't. They took a criminal over him. They took darkness over him. And they made a terrible decision. And, and, and about 37 years later, they lost their entire nation. Jesus had looked at them and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times I would have gathered you like a chick gathers her, like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not come to me? Therefore, the day is going to come when you're going to be scattered at the four corners of the earth 
and you're going to lose it all. And 37 years later, they stormed Jerusalem. Over a million Jews died, and the rest of the Jewish people were scattered to the four corners of the earth, only to be regathered again in 1948, 20 centuries later. It matters when you reject Christ. It matters greatly when you receive Christ. Amen. Amen. God chose Jesus to be your substitute. Can we uh, stand today? He chose Jesus to be your substitute. And he chose you, you and I to be a child of God. Amen. When I think of Palm Sunday and I think of Barabbas and Jesus and the whole drama that went down, can you imagine Jesus hearing them cry out, that they release a murderer instead of him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Being in his sandals. Can you imagine that? Give us a murderer. Give us a thief. Give us a seditionist. Give us darkness instead of the one that healed us, loved us, spoke to us, taught us, delivered us, embraced us, became one of us, even served us. Can you imagine? But it was all in the will of God. Can we lift our hands to the Lord? It was all in the will of God. How many of you are so glad you're no longer condemned to eternal death? Can you, can you thank the Lord for that? Thank the Lord for that. Yes, Lord. Oh, come on, everybody. Let's give the Lord a hand one more time. I, I just, that just touches me. That touches me. Oh, the blood of the Lamb. Instead of being bitter, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. It may be watching online right now or listening by radio or somewhere on social media. Let me ask you a question. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done with him? Have you heard about him and said, well, someday? Have you heard about him and just said, no thanks? Have you heard about him and received him? Have you heard about him and you're thinking about it? I want to encourage you, take a step. Make a move. Come to him. Let his blood cover your sin. The moment that you say, Jesus, forgive me, you are removed from the book of death and put into the book of life. Your name is written in that sacred scroll. And when you die, you will go straight to heaven and never know death. Eternal life will be yours forever, forever, and forever. How can we neglect so great a salvation? No, we shouldn't. If you're here today, and you can say, Jeff, you know, I've, I've heard about Jesus. I was even raised in church. Um, I, I got all this, but I don't know that I've ever been born again. Well, listen, you need to settle it, and I invite you to settle it and to seal it because I wouldn't get on that highway if I didn't know that I knew that I knew that Jesus was in my heart because all that exists between you and eternal death is your next breath until you come to Christ. And then you've got eternal life. There is no fence. There is no in-between. So I want to say a prayer with us today. Can we do it? Would you bow with me? You can say, Jeff, 
I don't know if I'm saved or I, I know for a fact that I haven't ever really repented and come to Christ. And I want to be sure today that I know him and that he's in my heart and his blood has covered my sin and that I have eternal life. You can do it today. With your head bowed, if you can say, Jeff, that's me. Would you raise your hand? Just put your hand up just for a moment and let me see you. And let God see you. Amen. Back there, God bless you. God bless you and you. God bless you. I want to say a simple prayer right now on this Palm Sunday. What a great day to come to Christ. Palm Sunday, you'll never forget it. It's your spiritual birthday. Say with me, Lord Jesus, right where you are, Lord Jesus, forgive me all my sin. I repent. I believe you died for me in my place so that I could be delivered from hell and transported to heaven. I receive you into my heart, Lord, this day in Jesus' name. Amen.